In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So this is a, a special grapevine because it's when we are celebrating our, our 10th anniversary. It's, it's actually very emotional that it, it's lasted 10 years. And with youth ministry, it's wonderful to do things. But you also get to realize over time that one of the most important things about youth ministry, or indeed any ministry, but in particular youth ministry, is continuity and longevity. It's, it's easy to get a good idea and suddenly start to do things and to, to, to try to capture an, a need and then provide for that need. But then not to have continuity ends up making people feel disheartened and sometimes does more damage than actually not having started the ministry at all. But I'm, I'm really happy and feel very blessed, A, to have been able to start this ministry and B, to be able to be here 10 years on. When we started, it was never ever meant to be this huge meeting. It was just meant to be a fellowship meeting for people who are precisely where you are in life. And that is diversity of people who are around the city, around the West End, working, living your life as people do, but also needing that fellowship midweek. There was the worst thing in the world is just to be a weekend Christian and then to step into Monday and think you're in a different place. And whether it's Grapevine or it's a ministry like Focus, which is our university ministry, or indeed City Mission, which is our homeless ministry, the important thing is these ministries take the church to the people. It's not about you coming to church. It's about the church coming to where you are, coming to where you work, coming to where you study, coming to even where you are homeless on the street and you need to be supported. And that's how our Lord dealt with us. And that's the ethos of the incarnation. God didn't decide to save us from a distance. He actually took flesh, came down, and dwelt among us specifically to save us and to call us back to that, to that fellowship in his kingdom. And so we see that sense of fellowship in the ministry of our Lord, and that's the sense of fellowship that binds us, brings us together. In the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 10, we see the disciples being sent out by our Lord and then coming back. And they came back and said to him, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. Lord, you know what? We're, we're, we're here and we're so happy because of everything you've given us, even demons are subject to us in your name. But he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't let your fellowship bring pride. Not even your fellowship with me. Your fellowship with me should not make you feel proud or arrogant. 
Your fellowship with me should remind you. He goes on to say, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in the fact that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what our fellowship with Christ leads us to. That our names are written in heaven, that we are reconciled to him, that we enter his kingdom. That's what it's all about. Why do we have a grapevine meeting? Why do we have a focus meeting? Why do we attend liturgies? Why do we go to Bible studies? It's for fellowship. These are all a means to an end. What is the absolute end? The end is being with Christ forever. Being with Him forever. And that's so important to us. We'll go through life trying to substitute so much. And we spend our lives substituting, whether it's materially or through relationships, or sometimes through habits, or, you know, through um, retail therapy, as someone was telling me a few minutes ago, or through indulgences of whatever kind. We, we try to make up for things. And then we realize that nothing really compares to what God can give us. Nothing compares to the fellowship that we have in Him that takes us together to Him. This is a vehicle. This ministry is a vehicle. Our relationship is a vehicle. Our relationship just as friends and our relationship as me being a spiritual guide or a spiritual father or a confession father. All of these relationships are a means to an end. I love being your friend, but I'm sure you have lots of friends. My greater purpose in your life is try to lead you to a life in which you are living with Christ both now and forever. You, it's great for you to be friends together. But again, there are many friendships in this world that will guide you in the wrong way. And you know, I'm not speaking to teenagers or adolescents. I don't mean your bad friends. I mean friendships that distract you. Friendships that become so focused on where are we eating today and where are we going today and what are we buying and what house are we living in and which car are we driving and, and where are we going on holiday. And they're all good things. They're all necessary things at times. But if that becomes the core of our relationship with everything that revolves around, our life changes. Whereas what we should actually be doing is saying, you know what, it's really good that we're here. It's lovely that we're together. What I want is for me to encourage you and you to encourage me to become better and to ensure that while you and I have been given this beautiful privilege, we've been given this wonderful gift of salvation, that we help each other by holding each other accountable, but also by supporting each other and being each other's strength. We are those ten virgins in the story that our Lord told about the wedding feast. Five of us were vigilant, five not so vigilant. The difference in our story is that it's not finished yet. 
the bridegroom has not come yet. And even if we have slumbered and slept, what we should do is be able to wake each other up and say, why don't you go and get oil now? Why don't you go now and, and try to do what you need to do? We encourage each other. We hold each other to account. Because that's what real Christian love is about. That's what real Christian fellowship is about. It's not me just saying, you're great, wonderful, good stuff. It's me saying, well, hang on. You know what? We know each other. We have a good relationship. I know you're not going to be upset, but really, is this really what, what you should be doing? Is this really what you wanted to do? I just had that conversation with someone, you know, the last few days. I said, no, I, okay, you're going through a difficult time, I understand, but I need to hold you to account. Is this the right thing? And the response was, well, not, no, not really. In which case, we got to the right result at the end. And that's why we're here. That's why with those ten virgins, five are wise. Now, we are still walking to the wedding feast. We haven't slumbered and slept yet. So we look over each other and say, hang on, wait, where's your oil? You're just walking with your lamp right now. Where's your oil? Are you going to be ready? Because I, what I want is that when I slumber, you wake me up. When you slumber, I wake you up. Whoever wakes the other up, we've got oil and to spare. Because we all want to enter that feast. We all want to be with our Lord, with our Savior. You know, we've seen examples in, in, in the Christian story. We've seen examples in many things where we we don't understand how relationships change. We don't understand what happens. Things are good. They start as being very good. And then over time, they just change. No matter what God does with us and for us, things change. So if we look at the book of Exodus, where chapter 32, our Lord has led his people out of Egypt. He saved them. He's had the plagues. He's finally convinced Pharaoh. And even when Pharaoh turns around, the Red Sea is split. They cross over and people just are free. Yet at the first sign of danger, when Moses goes up on the mountain, what do they do? They're a bit nervous. So they decide to make a new god. They decide to make a god for themselves. We sometimes become that nervous in the world. We, we feel like we're following a Christian message. We're on a Christian journey. But where is this journey actually leading me? And the minute I feel a little bit nervous about the journey, I start to look in other directions. Okay, I, I, you know, if I'm feeling insecure, I need to put more effort into my work. I'll put more effort into my relationships. 
I'll buy a bigger house and a bigger car and I'll, I'll buy newer clothes and I'll become more popular and I'll have more friends. And, and I keep focusing on other things that I think will supplement. But then I realize that actually they've been quite useless. They really haven't contributed to anything at all. They've left me void. They've left me empty. They've left me unable to, to be the person I want to be. And they've left me unable to live the fellowship I need to live. That's why in this account, Moses goes up. They get nervous. They make a golden calf out of the gold that they have. You know, they made it out of jewelry and out of ornaments. That's what they worshipped. But then they realized that God was still there. And it was only through Moses saying, God, I know they're difficult. But you know what? If you're going to forget them, then forget me. If they're not going to make it, then forget me as well. Because we started this together. They made a mistake. I know they made a mistake. You've put me in this position, so I understand. But we still need to stand together. And we all fall short of grace. How many of us are willing to stand with each other in that context and say, Lord, we all fall short of grace? That's why we pray for each other. That's why we, we pray in this meeting and in every other meeting. We pray for one another. That's why we pray to the saints and ask the saints to intercede and pray on our behalf as well. Not because they have a relationship directly with God and we don't, but it's because they've gone on this journey. They're partners with us. They are the victorious church. Those who have already reached what we're striving to reach. And so it's up to us to be able to put ourselves in that position and say, Lord, I want to get there and I want all these people to come with me. But also, I want to make sure that I am not left alone because I don't want to get into your kingdom alone. I want these people, your people, my brothers and my sisters, to be with me as well. We stand and we pray. We serve together. Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? Lord, we were there. We were at Grapevine. We were at City Mission. We were in focus. We attended liturgies. We stood together. We prayed together. We attended conferences. We went to our churches. We attended Bible studies and youth meetings. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You were there, but did you engage with me? And the one thing we want to be sure of as this meeting continues is that it's not just about us meeting here. 
It's about us meeting here with him and about us meeting here around him. Um, regardless of what you might think, I don't get a commission from God. You know, some, some of you think I do, and that's why I think, I, I only came to Mass for you. That doesn't really help me much. I don't get promotions, you know, based on performance. I, I don't get a commission based on how many people take communion on Sunday. We are here for each other. When we speak, when we declare, when we preach, when we teach, it's because I've received. And I feel so good about receiving, and I feel that because I've received, I want to give. This meeting is about me giving back to you, us giving back to you, the steering committee, everyone who works for this wonderful ministry and any other ministry is because we want to give to you what we've received. And when you serve in your own ministries, in your own churches, whatever you do, it's because you want to give what you have received. There is no sense in receiving an abundance if you're going to hide it under the bed. Because it'll go to waste. If you get the abundance of gifts and you go and you dig the ground up and you bury it and our Lord comes to us and says, what about the stuff I gave you? Where are your talents? They won't be one or three or five. They'll be talents. One of them is what you've been doing. What have you done with it? You say, Lord, you know, I know you're tough. And so I received so much from you, but I decided just to put it aside. And the response is, is going to be, no, no, that's not what you do. I gave it to you so that you could trade with it, deal with it, use it for others. There's a wonderful reflection about the, the parable that our Lord tells of the wicked vine dressers. When, when the Lord, when, when the, the landowner sends his son to this vineyard, and he says, give me the fruit. Now, what is the Lord, in our case, or the vineyard owner in the story, going to do with three tons of grapes? He's not going to eat three tons of grapes. Those gifts are never about God. God doesn't need our gifts. We add nothing to him. He is perfect. What he wants is to receive from me so then he can give to you and receive from you so he can give to others and receive from others so he can give to others still. And that's the important thing. The important thing is this, this cycle, this life we live. This life that says to us, we've been given so much, so we need to give back. So our fellowship here is so important in what it offers. What it offers for the world. You have no idea, just, I've been so excited about this, I must tell you. And I've done lots of really exciting things this week. 
know, lots of official things and lots of ecumenical things, and I've been really excited about it. To the extent I've been saying to people, you know, we've got this really great thing happening on Wednesday because it's our anniversary. It's our 10th anniversary. And you have no idea how people react and say, this ministry, ministry has been running for 10 years. It's like, wow, that, that, there's that continuity. And with young people, because apparently young people don't really care about their spiritual lives. And then you have, a, you, you have a meeting that brings together younger people and older people and, and people who are working and some people who are studying and, and people who live nearby and people who come from a different distance. You have all these people deciding to come together. Just that is a light to the world. Just that understanding that a cross-section of people, as we have here, comes together solely to be with Christ through the fellowship we have with each other is a light, is an example, is a message, is hope. That in itself. Whenever I'm speaking about lots of other issues and they're all morbid and they're all, uh, they're all challenging and they're all frightening, when, when people suddenly see a glimmer of hope, a spark, a little light, it means so much to them. And it changes their perception of what this world really is. They then realize they can also reach the things that we have. And I've always been very, very clear. We're no better than anybody. We should never think we're better than anybody. We are just immensely blessed to have received what we have received. We didn't pick which families we were born into, for those of us who were baptized as infants. We didn't choose which friends we were going to have who introduced us to the church, for those who were baptized as adults. We didn't choose what sort of trajectory, long-term trajectory our lives were going to have. God guides us. He'll never force us, but he guides us. And so we're immensely blessed to have the things we have. But because we feel so blessed, we need to also make sure that these things become a light to others. When we come here and we gather here every couple of weeks, it's a blessing. We, we, we learn something, we read something, we grow together, we have fellowship. And then this, and you know, don't, don't have any sort of misconception. If you have lots of little candles in one place and they touch, what do you get? A bigger flame, right? And if you have lots of these candles and a couple walk in of those candles that aren't lit, what happens to them? When they touch, they get lit as well. So even when we've had a difficult time or a difficult week or a difficult month or a difficult life, we light each other's candles. We become each other's candles. And so we come in here and we go out with that light. We go out with that understanding, that teaching, that love for God. We go out with that greater importance and focus we place on God's presence in our lives. And in doing that, 
we continue to journey with Him. This journey is so important to us because it is a journey of faith. It's a journey of experience. It's a journey that is enriched by so many of us. We all have different experiences of God. There is no one way to experience God. And we all experience Him differently. But we all then enrich each other by experiencing Him differently. And we all encourage each other, even at the most difficult times. We're told very clearly in the Gospel of St. Matthew that where two or three are gathered together in His name, our Lord will be in their midst. And He's, he's well and truly in our midst. I can feel it. We can feel it. We can understand it. We know that He's here. We know He's here by the smiles on your faces, by the warmth of your welcomes, by, by the natural interaction of your fellowship, by His Spirit that is among us in all we do. We're confident, and He's here among us, but because we are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God abides in us, when we leave, He goes with us from here as well. And this, and every other gathering, becomes a place which we come, we are fed, we are enriched, we are encouraged, and then we leave. And we spread that. You become human bumblebees. You come, you pick up a little bit of the pollen, and then you go out and you spread it. And you get fruits. That's the way it works, right? That's the way it is. When, when, when one of those bees lands on a flower, it doesn't decide to pick up pollen. The pollen sticks to it. When we come into a spiritual environment, we can't help but receiving blessing and grace. And it sticks to us. And when it sticks to us, as we leave the place, it leaves with us and we distribute it. And it becomes a blessing. It indeed enriches, brings growth to everyone. I've shared the book of Nehemiah with you quite a lot over the past 10 years <clears throat> because I, I love it. I love the fact that in the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah goes and sees the walls of Jerusalem having been demolished and the gates burnt, he decides he's going to do something about it. So he stands, he calls everyone and says, do something about this. The Lord of heaven will prosper us we his servants shall arise and build. And they do. And as they build, half the men are standing with weapons, while the other half are building. You get people building with one hand and holding swords and spears with the other. 
You get people standing in front of their homes and building in front of their homes and suddenly everything connects up. That's the fellowship that we live. We support each other, we pray for each other, we serve each other, we protect each other. We do all of this for each other. And it's through this fellowship, it's through this common work, it's through this, this oneness of spirit that we have. And we are blessed to have it. We're blessed to have it because it is an incredible gift that we can only receive from God. So, yes, the God of heaven will prosper us. We're very blessed that he has prospered us for 10 years. And again, as I said, I don't get an extra retirement fund because it's been going for 10 years. I don't get more in the pot. I just feel an immense blessing that there is a whole generation that receives from a generation that has passed and the continuity of the ministry is something we can celebrate. So today is a day of blessing. It's a blessing that we're here together. It's a blessing that we're still here together after 10 years, which in itself takes patience. But it's a blessing because we've come together for the right reason. We've come together to be built and to build one another, to be supported and to support one another. And we've come together so that people will see us and glorify God. We see each other here and glorify God, and then we walk out and people see us and they glorify God. And people see them and glorify God. And every other ministry works in the same way. And we find ourselves a part of this huge thing called the body of Christ. This huge experience that is for us and that never leaves us. This huge thing that is our salvation, our calling, our hope. And so again, we, commend, we, f we conclude as we started that we're here and we give thanks for the fact that we're here. But we're not just giving thanks because we're here, but we're giving thanks because through being with God, we have a way to his kingdom. Through his salvation, through our fellowship, and in his body. And glory be to God forever. Amen.